0: Thank you.: I never can work this. <laughs> um, changing your itinerary is children's moments, obviously first, because I think they're holding off uh, hoping the rain holds off so they can go outside. So we'll get started. All right. I need even, I need a little bit of a couple older people down here too that can read if they're, if they're not down here that may think they're too old to come. Come on and help me. Anybody? All right, I'll pick on the adults. All right, guys, what do I have? That was good. Who can tell me what you do with Keith? What do you do? Open up things? Very good. Why do we open them up? What are you going to do with What do you do with Keith? Yes, ma'am. Very good. She said, so you can get inside things and get to places. So keys open up doors for us and help us get to places where we need to be. Um, The Carroll family had a very interesting um, uh, problem with keys last week because we were missing keys. So we had a real hard time getting to where we needed to be because we couldn't find keys. So what I want to talk to you and what I want you all to help me share with everybody today is how Jesus is the key for us to get to heaven. Okay, so what I want you to do is we're going to tell the story of Easter and tie it to how Jesus helps us go to heaven. It's the key. So I need people that can read. If you can't read, I'll help you. Um, Come on up here. Let me get it in order. Come right on. Okay, and I want you to read it and then turn around and show it, okay?
1: Jesus had to go to Jerusalem with some friends. It was a long journey, so he went on a donkey. When he arrived, people were very excited. They were cheering and waving to him. The priest and Jerusalem were jealous of Jesus because all the people liked him. The priest wanted to get rid of Jesus and decided to have him killed. Jesus sat down to eat supper with his 12 friends. He told them he would soon be killed and would be with his Father in heaven.
0: You want me to read, and you hold them up. Okay. The next day, the next day, Jesus was in the garden praying. As he prayed, two new uh, two men with swords came to get him. The priest had sent them. You want to read, or you want to hold? The
1: next day, Jesus was
0: crucified.
1: Crucified. crucified. He died on the cross for all our sins.
0: Good job. That's great job. Everybody, you want to hold? Okay. All right. Sarah Carol's going to have to hold the wrist. You read it. You it. <laughs> Jesus' friends, Mary, Peter. And John carried his body to a cave. They pushed a large stone in front of the cave. You want this one?
1: The next day, Mary went back to the cave. Jesus' body had gone. Two angels appeared and told her not to be scared. Jesus is risen. Go quickly to Galilee where you will see him. Jesus went to see his friends Mary, Peter, and John. He told them not to be scared. He has risen and will live with his Father in heaven. Mary, Peter, and John told everybody they had they met that Jesus Jesus had risen.
0: Okay, very good. Now, Sarah, this is what you asked to do. Okay, Miss Shaw, I have a shot towel. The key. Jesus is the key for each of us to get to heaven for what happened on the cross. Thank you, guys. Come over here and get you. I've got an egg, a little treat as a reward for helping me. And I will dismiss you to whoever is taking you outside to hunt eggs. Great job reading.
1: Please let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Easter morning. Lord, we are faithful church and friends. We get here today to pray that on you we have had rest on these kids that are given. Most of all, we thank you for your son, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you.
2: Let's pray together. Oh God, we give you thanks for your love and your grace and your power on this blessed resurrection morning. We thank you for the many friends and loved ones who have gathered together as your family to celebrate this day. We thank you for the brilliance of colors on us and around us that remind us of of new life. Today, O God, we gather to remember and to celebrate. We remember Jesus who healed the sick and who raised the dead. We remember Jesus who gathered children to himself and dealt kindly with women centuries before most of the world recognized that that was the right thing to do. We remember Jesus who always kept his mission in the forefront and the minutia in the lowest place. We remember Jesus who sat with with those for whom life was a struggle to give them hope. We remember Jesus who ate with sinners and To dispel that myth that God is condemning. And to proclaim with His life that God is love. God is forgiveness and grace. We remember Jesus who consented to suffering and to die on our behalf. And today, oh God, we celebrate the fact that death could not hold Jesus in the grave. We celebrate that not even death is able to separate us from the love of God. We celebrate the new life that we have in Christ. We celebrate the assurance that we have eternal life. And today we celebrate and we give thanks that in life and in death and in life after death, we belong to God. Amen.
3: be reading from John 20, verse 1 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciples, and one of them whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reads the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But, But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she, and she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Praise to you, God.
1: dead it is finished he said we had watched as his light had away the then we all stood around till the guards took him down Joseph begged for his body that day it was late wrapped his body and sealed up the
2: know about you, but I think we've just seen Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Around um, 20 years ago, there was a man named Reuben John Smith who was quite fond of the comforts of life. And since he had such a comfortable existence in this world, he thought it only proper to prepare for a comfortable existence in the next world as well. And so at his death, he left some very detailed instructions concerning how they were to, to deal with his body. He was to be entombed in a private mausoleum with his body situated in a new recliner made of upholstered russet leather and was to be placed in a sitting position with a checkerboard on his lap. And being the practical man that he was, Smith also ordered that he be dressed in a hat and a coat and that a key to the tomb be placed in his coat pocket. Now, that's an interesting touch, don't you think? A key to to the tomb in his coat pocket. As far as anybody knows, that key has never been used. I wonder why. At the death of Joseph Stalin the former leader of the Soviet Union many years ago, a humorous story circulated around the political circles. And it seems that the Communist Party had cast Stalin aside because of his terrible crimes against his own people. And they were uncomfortable with the idea of burying him on Soviet soil. And so his successor, Nikita Khrushchev, was charged with the responsibility of finding a suitable burial place for Joseph Stalin. He wondered, where can we bury him without his tomb being dishonored or desecrated? And so he decided to call the leaders of several other nations around the world to see if they would bury him on their soil. He first called the President of the United States and described the situation but the president replied that Stalin wasn't really all that popular around here either. And probably it would not be a good idea that he, was, he would be buried here in America. But he added that, that the prime minister of England might be worth a call. And so he called the prime minister of England. And the British leader also felt that this would be a tad bit peculiar with elections coming up and everything. So he suggested a few of the more radical European nations. But nobody wanted to take Stalin's body. And Khrushchev was beginning to get desperate, but just when he was about to give up, he found himself speaking with the prime minister of Israel, who seemed suspiciously agreeable. In fact, the prime minister only mentioned one negative drawback to burying Stalin in Israel. He said, just on the balance of probability, it might not be the best idea. And so Khrushchev, baffled by this comment, replied, what do you mean on the balance of probability? And the Israeli prime minister explained, well, it may be nothing, but it's just that my country has the highest resurrection rate of any country in the world. (laughs) And you know, it's true. Israel does have the highest resurrection rate of any nation in the world. And if, in case you're, you're curious, in case you're keeping score, it consists of one person, Jesus of Nazareth. And that's why we're here today, isn't it? The time was Sunday morning. It's just before dawn. The setting was a garden not too far away from the hill where Jesus had been crucified. In the garden, there was a tomb. Freshly cut from the rock. And and there was a giant stone that sealed the burial chamber. But now that stone had been rolled aside. Some grief-stricken women made their way down to this lonely spot early in the morning. John's Gospel only identifies one of them, Mary Magdalene. Other names are included in other Gospels, including Mary, the mother of James, and Joanna, and Salome. And undoubtedly, the the silence of the night and the the solemnness of this occasion caused them to move quietly towards that place where their, their friend and their master was buried. They brought spices to anoint him with. And I'm sure that it must have been disconcerting for them to arrive at that location and to discover that the stone had already been rolled away from the tomb. And then when they peeked inside, they were even more surprised and dismayed to find that the tomb was empty. He was not there. What did this mean? Had his tomb been desecrated by grave robbers? Were his enemies so afraid of him that they seized his body and moved him someplace else the women quickly scattered to, to tell their family and their friends about what they had seen. And we are told that, that Mary rushed to inform Peter and John. And they hurried back to the tomb with her. And when they arrived there, they were just as mystified as she was. Not knowing what to do, Peter and John returned to the safety of their homes And now Mary was alone in the garden with her grief. She allowed herself one last look inside the tomb. And you can imagine her surprise when she saw two angels dressed in white seated where Jesus' body had been. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? And Mary answered the only way she could. They've taken my Lord and I don't know where they've put him. And when she said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't recognize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? What, who are you looking for? And thinking, thinking that uh, he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've, if you've carried him away somewhere, tell me where you have put him and I'll go get him. And then Jesus said to her, very simply, Mary, Mary, and when she heard her name, she recognized his voice. And from that point on, Mary's life was changed forever. She turned towards the one who was speaking to her, and she cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher, teacher. Now, we don't know whether the sun was just beginning to peek over some nearby hillside at that precise moment, or, or perhaps her, her tear-swollen eyes with, along with the, the pre-dawn darkness prevented her from recognizing who Jesus was right away. But undoubtedly, undoubtedly, when he called her by name, there was a sunrise in Mary's heart. Rabboni she said Rabbon teacher and then with a, with a sudden surge of emotion she ran to him and tried to embrace him what more natural response of deep and grateful love could there be you see it was jesus who had made a, a new woman of mary some traditions tell us that, that she had once been a, a woman of the streets. The Bible does not say that. It does say that Mary had been possessed by many, many demons, whatever that means. And meeting Jesus turned her life around. She was once one, this kind of person and, and when she met the Lord, she became a totally different kind of person. And now Mary's devotion to this humble Jewish rabbi, is palpable. And so, filled with relief and with love, she impulsively reached out for him to embrace him. But Jesus stopped her, saying that he had not yet ascended to the Father. And so Mary would have to be content with holding him in her heart. And that's exactly what she did. Later, she would testify to his disciples, I have seen the Lord. So, what does Mary Magdalene's experience on that first Easter Sunday have to do with your life and my life? Well, let's think about this. I wonder, are there tombs in our own lives which we may be looking into with a a deep sense of hopelessness and despair this morning. Is there a sense in which each of us can, can also come through some kind of crisis in our lives? Perhaps a crisis of doubt and uncertainty and still be able to proclaim at the end, I have seen the Lord. I believe that the first thing that we need to see this morning is the deep sense of hopelessness that overwhelmed those who followed Jesus after the crucifixion. You know, if actions speak louder than words, those then those first disciples made it very clear immediately after the crucifixion that they no longer believed. They no longer believed that Jesus was the hope of their world. And I know that, that Easter, it's a day of bright colors. I see it all around me. You look good, by the way. But Easter's a day of bright colors. It's, it's a day of joyful music. We've heard it today. It's a day of enthusiastic worship for us. But, but you know what? I don't think that we can really appreciate the message of Easter unless we can first understand that that first Easter experience was born in darkness. His disciples had believed that Jesus was the Messiah. They believed that He was the one who would deliver Israel. They had staked their lives on it. They had, had tied their reputations and their future hopes to His coattails. And now what happened? He's lying in a borrowed tomb. His side with a deep gash from a spear. His hands and His feet Disfigured with the marks of nails, his brow was a tangle of of hair and blood where the crown of thorns once mocked his supposed kingship. His back was a terrifying grid of open wounds from the 39 lashes. One would not want to see a dog to die like Jesus died, Much much less a human being. There was no dignity in it at all. He hung there, naked, while soldiers made fun of him and spat on him. His followers now cringed behind closed doors, afraid for their very lives. And their emotions were a mix of cynicism and and despair. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've lived for a while behind closed doors, an emotional mess, devoid of any hope, discouraged, disillusioned, many good people have. I read recently about a young lawyer who descended into a deep, dark depression. Things were going so poorly for him that his friends thought it would be a good idea to keep all knives and razors away from him for fear that he might commit suicide. In fact, during this time, he wrote in his memoirs, I am now the most miserable miserable, miserable man alive. Whether I shall ever be better or not, I do not know. I fear I will not young lawyer who unleashed those desperate feelings of utter hopelessness? His name was Abraham Lincoln. Now I'm certain that those two nights following Jesus' crucifixion were the longest nights that those who loved him would ever endure. Maybe you've been there. Perhaps you've gone through your own long, dark night of despair. Maybe it was the words of a doctor. Maybe that's what sent you there. I'm sorry, it's malignant. There's nothing we can do. Maybe that dreaded telephone call in the middle of the night. There's been an accident. Could you come to the hospital? Perhaps the words of your employer We've had some unexpected financial setbacks, and we're sorry, but we're letting you go. A parent to a young child. You know, dear, mommy and daddy haven't been getting along very well lately, so we've decided to try living apart for a while. Many of you have known your own dark despair of the night, But here's the thing, folks. Here's the thing. Easter was not born in the brightness of day. Those women came to the tomb while it was still dark. Not only dark because it was still early in the morning, but also dark because their souls were filled with anguish. To them, there was no hope. But listen to this. We need to know that help is closer than we think. Just like it did with Mary, the the darkness of the moment and and our own tear-swollen eyes may blind us to a friend who is standing right there next to us. Softly he asks, Woman, why are you weeping? Sir... Why are you in such despair? And then, after listening to our devastating story, he whispers our name Mary, Jack, John, Cindy, Tim. And suddenly we recognize that he's been there all along, he's been there the whole time. But you see, He's not dead. He's alive. Christ is alive. And because He is alive, we make that wonderful discovery that even though things may seem dark and depressing, guess what? The sun rises again. The birds sing again. The joy begins to creep back into our lives again because, yes, there is hope. Jesus is alive. All of nature speaks of this possibility. The very rhythm of, of nature itself declares not only the glory of God, but also Christ's victory over life, of life over death, hope over despair, light over darkness, joy over fear. You see, new life is appearing all around us. Have you noticed? Have you noticed? Spring. Spring. Springtime and it's bursting forth into beautiful flowers the buds that are, that appear on the rose bush that has has seemed to be in such so drab and so lifeless over these many months and suddenly you see this little bud there and it's God's way of whispering to us you can make it i'm closer than you think i'm right here And I'll be with you when you fall, and I will be with you when you run. Bernard Tristain, a French novelist, was held captive along with his wife by the Gestapo during World War II. And when they were arrested, Bernard said to his wife, The time of fear is over. Now comes the time of hope. Think about that for a moment. When he was arrested, the time of fear is over. It's time to quit being afraid. Now It's the time for hope. Alexander Pope penned that beautiful sentiment that hope springs eternal. And you know what? It does. Hope is another way that God whispers our name. And your greatest ally in that long, dark night of the soul is your faith and your hope in God. I am here, he says. I will never forsake you. And that brings us to the last thing that we need to see on this Easter Sunday morning. And that is that the victory of Easter is a gift that is available to anyone, anyone, anyone who will receive it. You know, the New Testament was not written by Greeks who believed in the immortality of the soul. It was written by by Jews who, who normally believed that when a person dies, he or she really dies and there's nothing left. <coughs> However, because of their experience with the risen Christ, those first Christians became aware of the fact that a gracious, loving God grants new life an eternal life to everyone who will receive it as Christ was resurrected from the grave, so you and I can experience new life through Him. And that is the gift that God so desperately wants to give to each of us today. It is the opportunity to experience victorious living here and now, right now, and also heavenly life with the Lord after we die. uh, Tim Zingle tells about a pastor standing at the door of his church after the Easter Sunday worship service. He was standing there greeting people, and one woman exclaimed, I've never seen such a crowd at church. And the pastor didn't know her, but apparently she was impressed by the number of people there. And then as she was shaking his hand and moving towards the door, she said, Do you suppose it will make any difference? Well, he, he held on to her hand so that she couldn't leave. <laughs> and he said, What do you mean? He said, will what make any difference? And she said, Easter. Will Easter make any difference for all of these people? Or or will life tomorrow be the same as it was yesterday? Well, I can't answer that question. It certainly made a difference in the lives of those first disciples, didn't it? They knew that Christ had conquered death and And that caused them to give everything that they had, including their own lives, to get that word out to the world. And so the question I leave you with today is this. Has Easter made a difference to you? Wouldn't you like to have that kind of confidence in the power and the purpose of God that those early disciples had? Well, you can, you know. It's God's free gift to everyone who will receive it. So, are you peering into an empty tomb this morning? Are you facing your own brand of darkness and despair? If you are, then don't give up. Please, don't give up. There is a friend who is closer than you think. And he's calling you by name. He is offering you a gift it is the gift of abundant eternal life and it's available to you right here and right now all because he is alive he is risen he has risen indeed amen <laughs> let's sing a hymn today that i think it's a a, suiting, uh, a suitable closing to Easter and to the sentiments of Easter. Because we've talked a lot during this Holy Week about a lot of different things, from the celebration of Palm Sunday last week, a great parade, to the, the darkness of Friday with the crucifixion, and now today, Resurrection. So where do we go from here? Can I suggest something to you? Place your hand in the nail-scarred hand and allow that hand to lead you throughout your life. Let us sing. benediction and then immediately after that as our postlude it will be the hallelujah chorus and we would like to invite anyone who would like to come forward and to to sing the hallelujah chorus with us come on up folks now come (laughs) come and join the choir to sing this beautiful piece of a celebration For the music,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: this is not one you want to sing without the music. Let us pray. May the loving power of God which raised Jesus Christ to new life strengthen, strengthen you in hope and enrich you with love and fill your heart with joy in our faith. Amen. Amen.
1: table to listen to his words his secret place